Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the A&J Students Podcast. My name is Anthony, and today I will be breaking down Billie Eilish's second studio album, Happier Than Ever. Now, for those of you that haven't checked out my last episode about Pop Smoke, be sure to check it out. It's definitely a great one, and you don't want to miss it. But going into Happier Than Ever, it's Billie Eilish's second studio album. It's her next release after When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And ultimately, this is a pop record with kind of slower tempo jazz electro pop elements. Now, like When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? This album was produced by Billy's older brother, Phineas. And this album is more of a reflective record. It's more based on COVID and kind of reflecting on her rise to fame. Now, that does make sense because obviously COVID was such a huge thing over this past year, and the pandemic kind of forced more people to stay inside. So Billie Eilish kind of using this record to reflect on that makes a lot of sense. And ultimately, as a result of that, this project is more introspective in nature. And if there is one thing I do like about this album is that the production and style of this particular project is very reflective of the themes that she goes into. So ultimately, I think the flow and cohesion of this album works really well. Like, for example, the transition from NDA into Therefore I Am, two of the tracks which I'll get into a little bit later, I think that transition is just absolutely fantastic. But also just the overall flow into each of the songs, I think it just works and I think overall, it just flows together really well into this nice story that she's telling. Now, there was a promo documentary film. It was a concert film released through Disney Plus called Happier Than Ever, A Love Letter to Los Angeles. It came out back on September 3rd. So definitely check that out if you haven't already. It'll give you a little more of an insight to the actual album. But also, if you haven't listened to it, It'll give you a great kind of live experience that a lot of people definitely missed with no concerts being around due to COVID. So I think it's great for that purpose. And as I mentioned earlier, the style and sound of this particular album is very different from her first album, When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? That particular project was definitely more dark in nature, a little more experimental, where this is kind of more introspective and kind of going through her troubles, societal pressure, and kind of rise to fame. Which I think is good, because I think this project does a great job of being sonically interesting, but also kind of pulling into her personal experiences. Now, obviously, we're not all celebrities, so we all can't relate to what she's went through. However, Most of the stuff that she goes into is stuff that we can relate through, right? Boy troubles, relationship issues, feeling pressured to doing certain things that we don't want to do. Just stuff like that, I think, is something we can all relate to. And she does a great job of kind of bringing in those topics into this particular project and making it work and making it relatable for her particular audience. So I think that definitely works. Now, going into the actual songs themselves, My Future which is the quote-unquote lead single for this album. It's this R&B ballad that 
kind of sets a calm and like soothing atmosphere which i think is great it definitely has these like soul and jazz influences which also is great because that's kind of the whole kind of flavor of this album although it is pop there are kind of jazz elements sprinkled throughout and there's a lot of other things going on which i think is great and because billy's voice right now is pretty soft in nature I think this type of song definitely does a great job of kind of enhancing that, which I think is great. And lyrically, it deals with self-love and power and what you can do now while reflecting on the past, but also looking towards the future. Thus the title, My Future. And this song does a great job of encompassing the styles and themes that are present in this particular project, which I think is great. And... Overall, I think it's a great choice for a lead single because that's what lead singles are supposed to do. They're supposed to act as a standalone song that works, but also fits in with the rest of the album. And I think it does a great job of doing just that. Now, this particular song peaked at number six on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And the particular video for this song, it's an animated music video where it has Billy walking around in a forest during a rainy night, which then turns to some sun and the forest becomes beautiful at the end thus looking towards this bright future and overall the song is inspired by the isolation that she did during covid and i think overall it does a great job of displaying that transition from being in isolation being all alone during the pandemic to kind of this transition period where we're at now where everything's kind of opening up again to the future where you're free to kind of do whatever you want that sort of deal i think it does a great job of kind of encompassing those feelings and putting them together on this kind of ambient ballad synthy track which i think is great now moving into the second single therefore i am very different in style it's kind of like this dark pop r&b electro pop song has a bit of hip-hop influences as well. Peaked number two on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, so it's her second biggest hit following Bad Guy, which I'll get into a little bit later. And ultimately, the song takes a play on the philosophical quote, I think, therefore I am, from Descartes, which the quote in Latin is cogito ergo sum, which English is I think, therefore I am. So it's kind of an interesting little topic there that she used listening quote that she used to kind of implement in this track and ultimately the song is used to talk to people who are trying to take control of her and ultimately she uses the song to make it clear that she doesn't really care about other people's opinions especially the criticism that she's received so far in her career especially when it comes to her body image which i'll get into in just a second but ultimately she tries to dismiss her haters and critics with this particular track. Now, the video for this one was set in the Glendale Galleria shopping mall. It's empty. And it's funny because this video was actually shot on an iPhone. Crazy is that. And it kind of just shows her walk around the mall, getting whatever she wants, like pets, pretzels, fries, drinks, etc. And fans do think that this video was created in order for Billy to show that she doesn't really care about her body image, she kind of sent her message out there. Now, real quick, it doesn't matter if you're a girl or a guy, or even if you're non-binary, 
no one should be shaming each other over body image. I think body image is one of the most kind of unsustainable things you can achieve in society. Because let's face it, even if you do work out, if you do lose all the weight, if you're doing it for the wrong reason, it's just not going to work. You're going to achieve that weight, achieve that goal, and if you were doing it just so you can look better for other people, you're going to look at yourself and then realize, oh, you know, I'm still, you know, fat or whatever, blah, 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 even though you're really not. So when you do go to the gym or you do work out, do it because you want to do it, not because you want to change your body image. And if you don't want to work out, don't work out. You don't need to be forced to do it. So that's kind of what this is kind of going into in that whole kind of conversation. Now, this particular track has some synth instrumentation. There's a lot of kick drum, groovy bass. And if there is one thing I do like about this song in the context of the album is that it does cut through a lot of like the ballad-esque instrumentation that is very prevalent in this album. And I think that difference really works in this kind of project because, right, you can listen to a bunch of songs that are very ballads in nature. They're, you know, very slow. They're very introspective. And after a while, it can become really boring to listen to. So using kind of this electro pop song to kind of cut through that, I think is great. So that's why I think this song in particular works as a single, but also it works in the context of the album, which I think is great. However, with that being said, I think Therefore I Am is better as a single than in the context of the album. Ultimately, with the song, it's more of a middle-of-the-road single than a standout single, at least compared to the lead single, My Future. Now, your power. When this song came out, I listened to it, I was like, it's great, it's, you know, it's an acoustic guitar-driven ballad, but that's kind of it, you know, so I didn't think it was the best song in the world. However, going back to this track, revisiting it in the context of the album, I think it works so much better in the context of the album. And because it lyrically deals with an abusive relationship, and basically the intention of the song is to inspire change in said person, it, I think, I think it works a lot more in the context of the album than as a single. But it still works as a single. I think it's still a great song nonetheless. And this song in particular, as I said with Therefore I Am, it's kind of directed towards like her haters, people trying to take advantage of her, stuff like that. And as I said earlier with these two particular projects, I think your power is definitely stylistically different from When We All Fall Asleep, Where Did We Go? And I think that soft instrumentation, I think really helps enhance her voice which I think is great. And the reverb they put on it, I think is really great as well because it makes her voice sound more full in nature, which then brings more impact to the song emotionally, which I think is fantastic. Now, the actual music video for this particular single itself has her kind of performing the song on a mountainside. And the video kind of ends with this big anaconda snake around her throat pretty much. And you might be thinking, oh, you know, it's kind of crazy, right? But Billy has worked with exotic animals before. For the video, and you should see me in a crown, for example, there are tarantulas all over her face. So, again, she's dealt with it before. And luckily, you know, everything worked out just fine. Now, this particular video did win Video for Good at the 2021 MTV Video Music Awards. So, 
kind of took some hardware along with it as well. And as I said before, I think it does a great job in the context of the album, and it does keep in theme with the album, which I think is great. Now, as I was saying before, with you know having a lot of ballads at once, this is very stripped back in instrumentation, which kind of has its pros and cons. The pros being, you know, it's intimate, it's emotional, and it kind of brings that out more. But con being, it may not be as interesting if you're not into ballads and that sort of vibe. However, I think for the message that she's trying to get across, I think this works. And I think the kind of deep lyrics she tries to sing about in this particular song, I think because Billy's vocals are so soft and full, they get conveyed really well, thus making this a really great track. And since Your Power did peak at number 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, it was pretty successful as a single overall. In a nutshell, Your Power is a great track that I think would have been better as an album song rather than a single, but it's still great as a single nonetheless. Now, Lost Cause is a soft rock song that kind of deals with Billy moving on from her ex. It peaked at number 27 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And as I mentioned with you know some of her other songs, this does deal with her ex kind of being unreliable and willing to change it, essentially not being there for her. Now, most fans have speculated this to be about Q, who she kind of goes into her documentary, The World's a Little Blurry, and she kind of goes into this person, how, you know, he is kind of a lost cause because he's not even there for her. It's that kind of vibe. Ultimately, there is this like jazz funk bass. It has like this minimalist instrumentation going throughout the song. And honestly, I think this is one of the more underwhelming tracks sonically on this particular album. Just reason being, I think in order for this to kind of work a lot more, I feel like there could have been more going on instrumentally. And it is a soft rock song, which is great. However, I just feel like it could have been more interesting. And I kind of wish there was more going on. For that reason, I think it is one of the more forgettable tracks on this particular project. Thus deeming it the lost cause of singles. Am I right? I know that was a pretty bad joke, but with that being said, the video is interesting because it has her like with the, within a house party in LA, kind of just moving around, kind of doing her own thing, but her and her girlfriends, or her backup dancers technically, stuff like that. I think the video is cool, it's nice and simple, gets to the point. But just again, in, for this particular song, I just feel like it's very forgettable because it's not really interesting to me. NDA, otherwise known as a non-disclosure agreement, which, for those of you that don't know, it's just basically a legal document that establishes confidentiality between the two parties or the two sides. So that way, they can't make information that they discuss with each other public. Now, that's important to keep in note because with this particular song, it deals with kind of her struggles with fame. And the kind of hurdles she has to jump through as a celebrity. And sonically, it's dark electropop, which I think... Is more interesting than Lost Cause. However, you know, it's not really relatable to her audience because, again, we're not celebrities. It's not stuff we have to deal with. 
However, I think because of the instrumentation, that's kind of what saves the song. And because it has like this plucky guitar and this core, and when it gets to the chorus, there's a lot of like these distorted synths and there's like this very heavy auto tune on Billy's voice with this like heavy drum beat that kind of just kicks in, which creates this very aggressive yet eerie atmosphere. I think that really works with this kind of a song. However, I just don't think this song really stands out as a single compared to the rest of the songs in her discography just in general. So overall, it's a pretty underwhelming track that's only really memorable for its instrumentation. The music video, very interestingly enough, they were actually unable to execute their original idea for the video due to various complications. So basically, it's just a one-shot video, has Billy walking straight down a road as like these stunt drivers drive around her at night. So it makes sense because it's kind of that uncertainty and likelihood of getting hurt which is similar to like an NDA and non-disclosure agreement. So besides the instrumentation though, I think this song is pretty forgettable in nature. And moving on to the last single, arguably the best song on the album, Happier Than Ever. And it's more because of the transition that this song takes. It starts out as this acoustic ballad, but like midway through the track, it becomes this like pop punk anthem with these like rock and soul influences. And just going into the backstory a little bit for the song, it was very therapeutic for Billy because it goes into like her grievances against her former partner. And it's kind of seemed like a therapy session, at least as you go through the track, because it starts off very calm. But then you can kind of feel her frustration as you get into that rock section of the song. And they peak out 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. And ultimately, the reason why I like this song a lot and why I think this is the best song on the album, because it combines what she's good at, but also adds something new, right? The ballads, we know Billy can do those. She's proven that in this album. But adding that rock section, that's something we've seen Billy do before. So it works. And... It feels authentic to who Billie Eilish is as a person. And the song is relatable, yet different compared to the rest of the songs on the album, which I think is great. In my Sour review, I mentioned Traitor. The reason why I like Traitor so much is because it has this folk instrumentation, which is new. But it's also a ballad, which we all know Olivia is good at. So it kind of combines what she's good at with what is new. So with Happier Than Ever... It's a good track because it combines with what Billy's good at, which is ballads, but also makes it new with this kind of rock second half. Now, obviously, Billy is you know great with a lot of other genres as well. Obviously, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? Kind of prove that. But I feel like because she has such a soft voice in nature, ballads definitely work in this particular case, but also I think it just does a great job, as I said before, it feels like a therapy session, right? It starts off very calm, but then it becomes very kind of heavy and very frustrating. Now, the music video itself is interesting because it sees Billy performing the song through the telephones where it starts off, so people speculate that the song, or uh, in the video, when she performs the song through the telephone, it's most likely she's talking to the person that is referencing the song. And then transitions to this like flickering lights and this like huge downpour of rain. 
And as Billy opens the door, the room gets flooded, so Billy suggests a swim to the roof to continue the song. So she does so, she dances on the roof, and basically the video ends with Billy going into the water. And as I said before, the reason why I like this track a lot is because her emotions come through so well. And the transition between like calm to angry and frustrated, I think, is really what comes out so well in this track, which is why I like it so much. Now, moving into some of the other standout tracks on this album, Getting Older, the opening song, it goes through Billy's personal trauma, especially with stalkers, how she's had to take on more responsibility, but also discoveries she's made about herself over quarantine. And instrumentally has this like plucking synth under her voice, which I think is interesting. And I think it does a great job of setting up the rest of the album, at least sonically and thematically. It sets that tone really well. And as I was listening to the track, I think sometimes the instrumental does overpower her voice a little bit. But regardless, I think it's a great opening track because it gives valuable insight to Billy's public life. However, besides that, there really isn't much else to this track. Reason being, Getting Older serves the purpose of being an opening song, and it does a great job as that first song. But that's pretty much it. I didn't change my number, which is the next track. It has this more heavy, aggressive beat to it. And lyrically, it talks about Billy separating herself from the person that she's been mentioning numerously throughout the album. Now, the beginning of the track is interesting because it has samples from Billy's dog, Shark. So there's a lot of barking, a lot of growling, stuff like that. And ultimately, with I Didn't Change My Number, Billy uses her calm voice to talk about aggravating topics like her boyfriend. Him not being there for her, kind of similar to like a lost cause in that particular song. So similar sentiment there, but I think it's a great contrast sonically between the ballads and like getting older, for instance. Now, I think one part that I found really funny was that she kind of said at one point she says, and your best friend, too. And like this really weird voice, which I think is really funny. Now, ultimately, in the context of the album, I think I Didn't Change My Number is a good track, but not really a memorable one. So, it's good, but it just doesn't really, it doesn't stand out as much as some of the other tracks I'm going to get into. Going into the next track, right? Billy Bossa Nova. It talks about her use of aliases at hotels to kind of protect her and her lover's identities. It's a very common thing that celebrities need to do. It has similar themes to like NDA when it comes to privacy concerns. And now the title of the song Bossa Nova is inspired by Antonio Carlos Jobim, who was one of the pioneers of Brazil's Bossa Nova. Now for those of you that don't know, Bossa Nova is kind of like a popular music genre in Brazil that combines jazz with samba, which is like Brazilian dance. And ultimately, Antonio Carlos Jobim, he was a Brazilian composer that really kind of revolutionized the genre of bossa nova. Now, some of the key characteristics of bossa nova music, it has this fast beat, it has like swaying rhythms, and ultimately with Billy Bossa Nova, the track on this particular album, it does a great job of encapsulating that particular genre of music, but also making it her own and making it cohesive with the rest of the album, which I think makes this track really good as a result because it is implementing a new style 
that most people don't really know of, but also it makes it her own, which is great. Oxytocin, fifth track on the album, it's a dance song. And it's funny because this is the last track that actually made the cut on this particular album because they were debating between this and what I want to hear, but they ended up going with Oxytocin. And I think ultimately it does do, it gives itself the benefit of the doubt because it, I think it would be a song that's good live. It's because it is an upbeat techno song, which is great. And ultimately, it's a sexual song about oxytocin, which is also known as the love hormone. And those of you who don't know oxytocin, essentially, it plays a role in like childbirth and like intimacy and stuff like that. And it's interesting because Billy doesn't usually go into a lot of like sexual themes with her music, but this one does. And ultimately, if there's one thing I do like about this particular song, it's that the vocal effects that Phineas uses on Billy's voice do a great job of enhancing her message because it kind of keeps the listener on their toes. And as I keep saying with some of the other songs, I think Oxytocin does a great job of like cutting through a lot of the ballad-esque instrumentation that can be really prevalent in this album because it is a dance song and it is has a upbeat techno vibe to it. And overall, I just think techno is a great genre to use for this kind of intimate topic. And because of that, I think overall, it's a great track. Haley's Comet, it's a ballad with like light synths and this kind of backbeat that is very prevalent. Now, for those who don't know Haley's Comet, it's a comet that comes once every 75 to 76 years. And essentially, it goes into how she finds herself believing that she's still in love, although she doesn't want to be. And it's interesting because the first three minutes of this particular song, it has this typical piano ballad vibe to it. But then in the last minute, it uses this like cool distortion effect on Billy's voice, which makes her sound even more dreamy, which I think is great. Because it even adds more to the fact that she believes she's just in a dream, that she is still in love with this person, even though she doesn't want to be. For that reason, I think this is one of the best tracks on the album so like this and like happier than ever i think are like the two best tracks on this album and overall because of the light-hearted nature of this particular song i think it works really well in the context of the album and i just think the style works really well with her voice which just ultimately contributes to the overall success and greatness of a track like Haley's comet now moving on to not my responsibility it's not a song, but it's a spoken word that was first heard on Billy's first tour for When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And it kind of serves as like this interlude on the album. And the actual word itself, it goes into body shaming, as I talked about a little bit earlier. And it kind of just goes into the hate that she's gotten, especially over her body. And it kind of just directs it toward, that, toward those people. And essentially, the spoken word ends with her saying, is my value based only on your perception, or is your opinion of me not my responsibility? Ultimately, those are rhetorical questions, but it goes into to show that people shouldn't shame others for the way they look, who they date, or what they want to do at the, in their lives, because at the end of the day, that's their choice. As I mentioned earlier, no one should be shaming each other, 
You wouldn't like it if it was done to you if you were in that position. So why bother? And even with this particular, I guess, interlude, spoken word, whatever you want to call it, this really goes at that from like a celebrity point of view, mainly because they have this quote unquote additional weight on their shoulders because they are looked upon by a lot of people for like advice and overall just because of their popularity. And ultimately, we're the ones that give them that additional weight because we do put them on a pedestal. And honestly, we shouldn't do that. I think, especially when it comes to celebrities, it's just my personal opinion. I honestly don't care what a celebrity does. As long as they don't do anything stupid that has a negative impact on their fans, I don't really care what they do. You know, whatever they want to do, that's their business. They're happy to do whatever they want with whatever they want to do in their life. And ultimately, I just find it stupid how people shame celebrities over the way they look. It shouldn't be a thing. It's not really necessary. And honestly, we should all just leave them alone, let her do their own thing. We live our own lives. You know, if you're a fan of a particular artist, support them by all means. But don't go out of your way to intentionally bash someone. To me, that's that's just stupid. Now, examples of what I've been talking about, right? We talk about like the baby's homophobic comments, which I talked about in a previous episode. Obviously, those are unacceptable, especially because they are very hateful towards the LGBTQ community. And it's very uneducated, the comments that he made. So obviously, that needs to be addressed. But for example, if a female singer takes a bikini pic and posts it online, you don't need to comment, oh, yeah, you look really fat in this picture. Like, who cares, to be honest? So that's just the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Celebrities should be able to do whatever they want, as long as it's not detrimental to themselves or their fans. And ultimately, I think that's what this spoken word kind of addresses, which I think is great. Now, the last track on the album, Male Fantasy, it's this like slow tempo, acoustic guitar driven ballad reminiscent of like your power. And ultimately, it serves as like this final reflection on her recent breakup. And it kind of goes into the idea of a male fantasy. For example, in the particular song, she uses porn to make the distinction between fake and real love. And she also kind of goes into how she changes the person, how she doesn't really feel connected to the person she used to be because of all the stuff she's had to go through to become a celebrity. And I think this is a good ending track, reason being, although the instrumentation is very simple, because her vocals are the highlight of this song, that does such a great job of further enhancing the intimacy of this particular track. And because of that reason, I think it's a great closer for this album in particular. Now, the last few tracks I'm going to go into, Goldwing, it starts a cappella with this like choir intro. And it tells a story of a girl who isn't a virgin, but hasn't gone through any like traumatic experiences or has been exploited. So essentially, the girl isn't clean, but she hasn't been traumatized. So that kind of story. And honestly, I feel like the choir kind of adds that angelic feel to it, which is what it's supposed to do. And for me, once that drum kind of kicks in, like, as you go into the track, and it, like, switches, I like that switch a lot because it switches from this, like, angelic feel to a very different kind of dynamic, which I think is great. Overheated, again, 
kind of similar to like not my responsibility the spoken word she kind of goes into the unrealistic expectations of celebrities and how she's been objectified by the media kind of a similar sentiment to even like monster by sean mendes and justin bieber so kind of just that similar topic it has this like uneasy synth instrumental which is fine and everybody dies it's this alt pop ballad that goes into the fear and uncertainty surrounding death which i think is an interesting choice of a track especially in this particular album where it is very introspective and very reflective of her her upbringing her rise to fame and her future so i think it works in a project like this so overall i think it's a great album and even though some of the tracks weren't particularly memorable each song fulfills its purpose and plays a role in telling Billie's story, and that's what makes this project so appealing. Although her voice is a bit too soft sometimes in different songs throughout this album, I think the overall cohesion and style of this project works when it comes to a reflective record like Happier Than Ever. And ultimately, because of COVID and everything that's going on, I think this was the right time to release a project like this if this was released a few years down the line. Don't think it would have worked as well so i think the timing of it all is great and ultimately my standout tracks happier than ever Haley's comet and like my future i think those are like the top three overall very great in their own respective right and overall i think just a great project and a great follow-up for me all fall asleep where do we go so looking at her career as a whole she started off with the song called ocean eyes so debut single it was a part of the don't smile at me ep she released and she was 13 at the time when she released this particular song now interesting backstory this was originally written and produced for phineas's band but he ultimately gave it to billy and she released it through soundcloud and as it gained these millions of streams ended up being re-released officially through interscope now the song itself was made through logic music software and essentially the song lyrically is about or the song lyrically is from the position of someone billy hurt and basically the song is being used to try to understand what they went through and again kind of similar to Goldwing, right ocean eyes starts off with this like choir like backing vocal which is reminiscent of her background. As you may not know, she was in the LA Children's Choir. She joined when she was eight. So using that background, I think works really well here. And although kind of looking back on it now as a debut single, it's not really depictive of her current style, but I think it shows off her vocals really well. And I think it did the job really well of kind of getting her foot in the door and kind of giving her the chance to shine. Which, going into Lovely, both her and Khalid, I think, worked really well together on this track. For those of you who don't know, Lovely is the lead single from the 13 Reasons Why Season 2 soundtrack, which Selena Gomez was an executive producer on, at least one of the executive producers on that show. Now, the show itself is controversial due to its depiction of suicide and like suicide prevention, but that's another story for another day. Ultimately, Lovely is a chamber pop ballad where both singers trying to overcome depression. And because both Khalid and Billy have really soft voices, I think they gel together really well. Now, 
I think the simple orchestral instrumentation works. And ultimately, I think for the show, it works fine. But as both one of Billy and Khalid's biggest songs, I don't really know if it's the best representation of both of them. Now, I think it does do a great job of showing off each of their individual styles and kind of bringing them together, but I feel like it could have been more interesting sonically, which I think is where its downfall of this particular song is. Now, when we all fall asleep, where do we go? It was a debut studio album for Billie Eilish, and ultimately, it's a pop record that goes into mental health, youth, drug addiction, suicide, and ultimately it was inspired by like the nightmares she had as a kid. Now, for this particular project, for those of you that forgot the 2020 Grammys, essentially, she swept the board. She won Album of the Year, Best Pop Vocal Album, Best Engineered Album, Non-Classical, and she also won Record of the Year and Song of the Year for Bad Guy. And obviously, she won Best New Artist that year as well. She took home a lot of hardware for this album, which is great. And ultimately, this album kind of put her on the map and kind of solidified her place in the pop scene which is great. Now, the lead single for this project is not Bad Guy, which I'll get into a little bit later, but you should see me in a crown. It's the lead single. It was inspired by the BBC TV series Sherlock, based off of the Detective Sherlock Holmes, specifically the episode The Ryan Back Fall. Now, ultimately, it's a trap-influenced lecture pop song. As I mentioned a little bit earlier, the music video for this particular song has Billy kind of sitting there wearing a crown, and she allows these like tarantulas to kind of crawl on her face. So very interesting visually. Now, I think if she knew how popular Bad Guy was gonna be, I think they would have made that the lead single instead. However, I think You Should See Me in a Crown still is a good selection for the lead single because for the most part, it encompasses the sound and atmosphere of the album. It could have been a little more reminiscent of that particular sound. But either way, I think it's a good song because it has that eerie and unsettling atmosphere, which works. Going into When the Party's Over. Now, this particular song is interesting because it's basically just vocals. It's entirely vocals for the most part. It has this very minimal bass and it has this kind of piano backing. And just to make this work, they had about 100 vocal tracks on the final mix of this song where they had like different ad-libs and different melodies so there's definitely a lot that went into it obviously I talked about the choir influences a, a little bit earlier uh, as she did join the la children's choir when she was eight and lyrically when the party's over sees billy kind of putting some distance between her and her lover and it's more of an angry kind of separation than a sad one and because of that minimal instrumentation, I think her vocals definitely shine here really well. And ultimately, although it is a calming song, the topic does suggest otherwise, which is great, that kind of contrast. And again, I think it's just a great showcase for her vocals that really highlight the essence of who she is as a singer. And because of that reason, I think it's a great song. Bury a Friend kind of this synth pop song with like hip-hop inspiration behind it it has like the synth the percussion involved and ultimately it's written from the perspective of a monster underneath billy's bed there was a lot of vocal effects used in this track and ultimately it peaked at number 14 on the billboard hot 100 chart 
So it's definitely one of the more popular singles off When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And ultimately, it is dark and violent in nature. Now, there are vocal contributions from Mekki Rain. For those of you who don't know, he is a London-based SoundCloud rapper. And ultimately, I think if you were to sum up the album in one particular song, I think Bro Your Friend would be it. Unlike You Should See Me in a Crown, I think Bury a Friend does an even better job in encapsulating the sound of this particular project. And ultimately, I think the instrumentation does a great job of like contrasting her voice. Her voice very soft. The instrumentation is very heavy. So I think it works for a song like this. And the screamy vocals at different parts of the song, I think, work really well. And ultimately, I think the differences are what makes this song work really well. And I think for that reason, this is one of the best tracks on when we all fall asleep where do we go wish you were gay it's a jazz inspired classic pop song it has this acoustic guitar and ultimately it's about how she wishes that a guy that she was interested in was gay so that he wouldn't be interested in her ultimately the backstory is she liked him he didn't like her back so billy wished he was gay ironically the guy was gay after all so Ultimately, the song goes into like the feelings surrounding rejection, and I think ultimately this is one of the more vulnerable songs on When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go, which I think is great, and I definitely appreciate that sentiment, and ultimately, I think the instrumentation combined with her vocals work really well on this particular song, which is great. Now, Bad Guy. The biggest hit of her career so far, it's... Her only number one hit on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It is the 10th most streamed song on Spotify all time. Definitely her most popular song to date. And ultimately this is a pop trap song with the synth bass and like the drums. Which I think is great. And ultimately in the ultimate track list of When We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? It is the second track on that album right after the opener. Which I think is great. And I think what makes Bad Guy come off so well is that... It's playful, yet kind of eases the listener into Billy's style, which I think is great. Lyrically, it shows Billy kind of taunting her lover for being a bad guy, and because of that, she's quote-unquote tougher than him. And I think the reason why this song became as popular as it did is that because I think it plays into a lot of genres that can appeal to a lot of different audiences, which is great. And also, when you have... A synth instrumental based on the Wizards of Waverly Place intro. That's just, you know, the icing on the cake, which I think is great. And just a little interesting side note. I think the instrumental switch towards the end of the song is great because it ties back into the sound of the album. So I think it works as a single, but also it works within the context of the album, which is great. And I think Bad Guy is a good choice for her most popular song to date. All the Good Girls Go to Hell, it takes the position of like the devil and God wanting to make humans suffer for what they've done to the earth and destroying it. So essentially it's about climate change. And with since this is like a pop song with like bass that's very lively, it has like these G-Funk elements, I think that vibe works in an album like this. And because it is between You Should See Me in a Crown and Wish You Were Gay. I think it acts as like a nice transition between those two songs. And ultimately, I think it fits right in with the rest of the album, which I think is great. Now, moving into her general 
singles, just three more tracks to go into. Everything I wanted. I talked about it in my Grammys episode as it did win record of the year at last year's Grammys. And ultimately, it's this like minimal piano, down tempo, bass, like ballad based off of a nightmare that she had where she jumped off of the Golden Gate Bridge and no one really cared. So ultimately, the song is about her relationship with Phineas and how strong it is and how Phineas has kind of been protective over her and that sort of vibe. Now, interestingly enough, Everything I Wanted was originally titled Nightmare and it kind of originated as a song about Billy's depression, which then became based on her nightmare. But Phineas and kind of her family didn't want to help her with the song because it was so dark. And they were kind of concerned for her mental health and well-being. So ultimately, they convinced her to write a song about supporting unity rather than depression and hopelessness. Critics ultimately praised the song for the, its lyrics and how it kind of displayed Billy's struggles with mental health. And ultimately, how evocative it was. Now, I like the song a lot, again, because it fits her style but also is sonically interesting. And ultimately, the little like production things from Phineas, like like the car noises and stuff like that, I think is a really nice touch for a particular song like this. Moving into Lova Ovidar with Rosalia, it was part of the Euphoria Season 1 soundtrack, which Drake was one of the executive producers on. And this is the first time that Billy has done a Spanish song, where this is essentially like a hymn-based ballad. Now, the title in English means you will forget. And it's funny because this song won Best Latin at the 2021 VMAs, whether or not it should have won. I don't really know. I don't think it should have won, but who really cares? Now, in the grand scheme of things, I think the song is great for a TV show, but it's not really memorable besides that. The only cool thing about this, though, is that this was the first time Billy did try the Spanish market. So I think she could definitely try going there again in the future. And who knows, maybe she can get a hit out of that, which is great. Now, moving into the last song I'm going to talk about, No Time to Die. It's an orchestral theme song for the new James Bond movie, No Time to Die, which is scheduled to hit theaters on October 8th, so relatively soon. And the interesting thing here is actually, Billy is the youngest person to write and record a James Bond song, as she was 18 at the time when No Time to Die was released. Lyrically, it deals with like romantic betrayal while making reference to like other James Bond movies. And I think it does its job for a James Bond theme song, similar to like a dull skyfall. But that's really the only purpose that it serves. And although it did peak at number 16 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart, No Time to Die doesn't really do anything else in terms of moving Billy's career forward besides being a James Bond theme song. So... Ultimately, to bring this podcast to a close, I think Happier Than Ever does a great job of kind of looking into her rise to fame, but also keeping it timely with the COVID influence, how COVID kind of forced her to kind of reflect on a lot of things, look to the future, hope for the best, that kind of thing. I think a lot of the songs do a great job of Standing out individually, but also fitting within the context of the album, I think it's great. As I mentioned earlier, I think My Future, Happier Than Ever, and Haley's Comet 
are the top three songs on this album, in my opinion. Again, not in any particular order, but obviously, Therefore I Am, Your Power, and even other songs like Oxytocin, I think, are kind of great solo standout tracks as well. So ultimately, I think Happier Than Ever does a great job of moving on from We All Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go? And a lot of the time we do talk about the second album, Curse. Happier Than Ever is definitely not an example of that. And ultimately, I think this particular project does a great job of kind of showing more of Billy's mature side as kind of a transition to her future and how she will be able to produce bigger and better things in the future. So when we all fall asleep, where do we go? It was a great project for the time. It was definitely experimental. It showed a lot of things that people haven't seen before. But Happier Than Ever also works in the context of Billy's discography. It's this introspective record. It sees her kind of reflecting a little bit. And it works for the time period where she released it, which is on July 30th, where we're still kind of in this COVID pandemic transition as we try to go back to our regular life and the way it used to be. So overall, I think this works. As I mentioned Happier Than Ever, A Love Letter to Los Angeles was released kind of alongside it as like a complimentary concert film. Definitely check that out on Disney Plus if you haven't already. But with that being said, I'd like to thank you all for listening. The next few episodes I will release, they will be for Lord's new album, Solar Power, released back in the end of August. I'm going to be going over some of the most popular tracks that came out in August. And also, I will be releasing a podcast updating you all on Britney Spears' conservatorship, how that all goes as the court date is set for September 29th. But also, I'm going to go into the whole beef surrounding Drake's Certified Lover Boy and Kanye's Donda releases. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. And with that, I'd like to thank you all for listening. And... Please stay safe out there and enjoy your day.